Come on. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for making it out to day three of Modex. My name is Terry O'Hanlon, and I have the uh, pleasure of being the chief marketing officer for Gray Orange. And the reason it's a pleasure is because this company is really at the forefront of modernizing uh, fulfillment for this uh, age of immediacy and commerce. With me is the CEO and co-founder of the company, Samay Coley. And we're taking a fireside chat sort of approach to this um, session where we'll be having question and answers back and forth. And we're going to leave time for questions from the audience because I think in something new like this, it's best to not have a formalized presentation, but more an active discussion on the way that the industry is shaping up and the possibilities that it presents. So I'm just going to take a moment to introduce Samay. So Samay and his co-founder Akash Gupta were both in university studying artificial intelligence, machine learning, and robotics. And those are three technologies that they understood would transform the nature of work, regardless of the industry. And they were very excited about the possibilities of putting those technologies together and then applying them in an industry that really would benefit from the advancements that it would provide. So they chose fulfillment and they launched a uh, what we call the gray orange fulfillment operating system. And what's different about that is it's software and robots that are contemplated and built together. So they orchestrate together, they make each other smarter together, they, um, that's not me, right? That beeping? Okay. <laughs> anyway, is <laughs> anyway, they, they orchestrate fulfillment together. Through the process of working together, they make each other smarter and continue to advance the possibilities that companies can um, achieve, the objectives they can achieve by applying this modern technology to modern commerce problems. And it was the right formula because today, fast forward today, we have five regional offices, R&D centers in three um, uh, different areas and uh, more than 70 installations. So I'm very proud to work for this company and the best is yet to come. We're just uh, hitting the tip of the iceberg in what uh, the problems we're solving and the companies that we're working with. Because robotics is such a visual field, I thought it might be fun to take a little look at a video and then uh, I promise we're gonna hear from Samay and not me. Can you press? I, it, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Guys? <laughs> you see how exciting it is, right? Look at all the innovations we're able to do. We have a little problem getting the video to run on the system back there. Hmm. Probably give him a minute or so, otherwise we can. Torsten, uh, should we move on? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, last try. I think he said.
Sime, um, oops. <laughs> That's, anyway, Sime, that, um, that video uh, looked uh, quite uh, futuristic, and actually RSR just uh, published a new research report showing that retailers are really, really have divergent views on the application of robots. Some thinking we must act right now and start deploying it, and others thinking it's really science fiction. So how much of that video is let's deploy it now, and how much is science fiction? Sure. So. Um it's an interesting question. I, I'll just say that you know that that video is not entirely vision, but it's got vision in it, right? So I think uh, you know I think if you leave apart the part where uh, you know the humanoid robots packing a package and it's working uh, autonomously, and if you leave that part apart, I think uh, you know having all these systems run coherently together mm -hmm. is something which is you know probably a couple of years away because you know some of our clients already have up to four, you, you have about seven elements there, but have up to four of those elements already working integrated together in their warehouses today. So it's, a, you know, it's somewhere there, if I would say the vision of that is essentially trying to go uh, over the next, I would say, 10 years to reach that stage. But I would say when you re remove out the robot packing the, the box out autonom autonomously, completely doing just that part out, right? I think the remaining stuff is more in the, the three to five year, you know, getting to that space. I think on your question specifically on how many people uh, need to jump in today versus jump in, uh, you know, a little later, I think it's got to do with the question of what's the scale and size of your operation, right? If you have a network of, let's say, seven, eight uh, fulfillment centers, DCs, right? Uh, then you better jump in today and you jump in full-heartedly at least for one facility, not, you know, as we say, don't do pilots and, you know, do one facility end-to-end -end, uh, because we know, you know, everything we do in fulfillment is mission critical and to really change out even six, seven facilities, forget about if you have 20, right? But to even change out six, seven facilities, uh, it is a, a nine to ten year journey in some sense, right? So I would say if you have that scale. However, I would say it might be a little controversial, but if you have two or three sites, right, and that's what you are, and you know, and you're going growing five to ten percent, or somewhere in that, as a year on year, uh, I think you can wait, right? I mean, I think there are some technologies out here on the floor where they're additive. You can do that, right? You can touch those, or but you can probably wait for something which you know this kind of stuff that Grey Orange is doing, right? Uh, you can probably wait for that. Okay, that, good. That's how I would balance it. One thing that's interesting in the video are the multi-mezzanines and the robots going up elevators and stuff, and I realize that some of our uh, customers are actually doing that, and it's not visionary. Um, and I know that, uh, that at least that customer's perspective of gray-orange is that that was co-invented uh, and partnered together, uh, company working with company to really envision what was going to be working best uh, for them. And you know, everybody says we're partners with our customers, uh, but I feel like uh, from your point of view, um, what is the essence of that? Because I know you work with two or three customers who want that video to be their life. And how do you get there from, you know, I know one customer shared from a scribbling on a napkin to what's on that video. Right. So, uh, I mean, I think 
for us, uh, so this is how, you know, as you introduce our eight years journey into the supply chain domain yes. has been that when we started out and we would talk to companies, they would try to put it into, hey, you're a MHE and, you know, and you're an MHE company, we have to figure out what's the right application, right? Uh, you have shuttle systems and shuttles do this and, you know, you have vertical carousals which do this. So we really have, you know, it's a, I would say the first couple of years was a lot where customers were trying to discover, like, what do you work for? Are you for a high velocity DC? Are you for a high variety and all that stuff, right? What we've learned over the years is that, you know, we are, and, you know, and words like platform and AI are very abused. So you don't <laughs> always want to be careful about those words. But uh, unfortunately or fortunately, right, for us, we are, we are not meant for an application. It really is uh, dependent on how many robots do you put together, which type of robots, how do you put the costing into the, the fulfillment system, what heuristics do you set up, right? So what we've realized is it's very important to partner because if you don't partner, we need to partner for our own self also because you can run into scenarios where you, know, you can put in 5,000 robots into the same facility and it doesn't make sense and you can have you know, so for us, how much do you use? How many robots do you put in? How do you configure the software? How much do you use? Is a lot dependent on how you partner with the customer. And right. to make it a little easier to understand, the places where, you know, at least the two, three brands that, you know, I would personally work with where they're doing transformation, our journey, the first site or the first one year or two years is a lot about educating them of understanding, see, this is how our system works. This is how the robots work. This is what you do. And, you know, and, and I would say, you know, the first sight is a lot of like, hey, let's make sure the ROI works out, right? And for us, you know, we, uh, what we say is ROI is hygiene, right? It's table right. stakes, right? So you and I, you know, should not do anything if it doesn't make ROI, but we should also not do something if it just for the sake of making ROI, right? It's very important to make sure that we're solving a problem for you guys where, you know, either your customer satisfaction's going up, your, you know, your amount of inventory is decreasing, or, you know, at the end of the day, our top line's increasing, hopefully, right? So, and in that journey discovery, right, no matter how much we as external companies want to partner, we can't really know what those trigger points are for you, right? So our, you know, I would say my supply chain, chief supply chain officer counterparts, actually have to discover that for themselves and we need to make sure they understand that these are the tools that they have in the flexible you know, software world to be able to achieve that. So that's why for us, uh, you know, partnering is kind of uh, is survival because if we don't partner, we can go down paths which are not fruitful for them or us. No, that makes sense. I know. Um, maybe walk through the journey that you went through with one a customer where it's like they have a commitment to uh, the team, having a partnership team, and you have a commitment, and they have uh, really one vision, pulling everything together. Let, why don't you tell me about, or tell the group about, um, the types of people that are in, have been involved? Like, what's the range of uh, people who have been working with us to help make sure that you're covering the bases in the partnership? Sure. So, uh, just for context, for you know, most people here. So, typically, uh, you know, the kind of uh, transformation Grey Orange gets into, we have a uh, we have a controversial statement where we say we don't do pilots, right? And <laughs> and this is uh, 
uh, you know, a lot of customers first react to this saying, what does that mean, right? Uh, we are, so, and I'll tell you what that means for us. Firstly, is that we typically do not, not typically, we've never done a, a thing in, we're running in their innovation center or, you know, this is, this part of the operation, we will not integrate the, you know, because we're a software platform and if you don't integrate the software, there's, you might as well not try our system out, right? So the journey for us with most of our customers has been at least, it could be small facilities, it could be big facilities uh, as the first facility, but it's usually a facility is, you know, integrated in and, you know, and it's a tough journey. I would not say that's an easy one, right? And in that, what I've learned is, you know, it's two sides of the same coin, right? So one, I would just say it that, you know, change is tough, right? I mean, it's not to do with the robots, the... Most of our clients, because you know the size and scale we work with, right? At least to me, they say, "Hey, we're sure your robots will run, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and you'll make sure the pick faces come, and you know, all that happens." We're more worried about will we be able to get the throughput out? Will our, you know, will our IT be able to keep up? Will our operations be able to keep up and all that stuff? So, so I think that's the part. You know, I would say five years ago when we were doing, you know, our first 200 robot sites and stuff right. like that. It was a lot about make sure the robots run, and we would be more as we want to make sure we're good on our promise. Right? Right. I think as we've gotten deeper and deeper into you know our customer supply chain, our you know biggest challenges and journey today is making sure the customers you know the throughputs, the breaches are there, right, are kept. And in that, right, there's two parts. One is that there is a change element that this is new. It's mm -hmm. you know we are. Fundamentally, if you look at the biggest thing we're changing for our customers is going from a waved environment to a waveless environment, right? right? And I, I would repeat this because a lot of people, we don't even understand how much different it is to go from a waved environment to a non-waved environment. Like, we don't even understand how much planning changes, how much thinking <laughs> changes, how much of our problems go away and new ones come up, right? Yeah. So, so there is a major change in going from running in a waved environment to a waveless environment, which is what gray matter runs in. But there's also an element of a lot of this is still the same, right? You're still batch picking, you're still picking into a put wall, you're still like, you know, so, so I have this saying that, you know, some of our customers go and you know, they're like, hey, why is this thing not producing the throughput? And we're like, if you don't put the inventory in, it's not going to, like, you know, so I have this analogy where we've somehow sold them the promise that it's a microwave and you need to press a button and it's going to <laughs> press out. So that's one side of change, right? And the other side of change for them is the fact that how do you take them along in this journey? Because, you know, even if it's not our problem, it is our problem because, you know, if they don't know sure. how to, uh, you know, how to replenish the system properly, how to wave orders, how to, you know, how to do audit correctly in the system, mm -hmm. right? That completeness is, is there. So I would say the... Uh, it's an interesting journey to say the least, right? <laughs> but it's very different. I would say five years ago, we were solving the problems of let's make sure the robots are running, let's make sure the stuff's putting out throughput. Right. Now it's more about, you know, making sure it's, you know, the partnership truly comes out uh, uh, once you've ramped up and the stuff's not producing what it needs to be doing and making sure you make that, that case in. So that's, that's our journey. Yeah, that's good. And in terms of the change management and making sure, you know, it's about more than the technology and it's about all the people getting on board and stuff. Um, what's your point of view on uh, the avenues that this opens up uh, once the 
uh, people who are working in fulfillment get the opportunity to interface with AI software, machine learning, and robots because uh, you know there's some articles that say people are afraid of you know robots. But what's been your experience there? So uh, I think you know. Uh, so for context, I mean, since we we do sites which have a lot of robots in it, right? This is a very top of mind question, right? I mean, how much, how is labor savings right. going to kick in, right? How would our associates take this? How is this? So I would say the, the one thing that has changed in us over the last couple of years is, you know, so for example, we have a site which is going live, you know, in, in uh, Texas this year, right? So it's six months later, site's going live, but we are today talking to, you know, What's the, we're integrated with the training department of the, right. the company, the HR teams, right? right. Uh, how would incentive-based pay look like? Like, so firstly, it also changed the purview of work that we've, you know, as we've learned after sites have gone live, right. what are the problems that customers have gone with? Uh, for our newer customers coming on, uh, we, you know, sometimes sound crazy to them where, you know, it's a site going live six, nine months later, and we're like, hey, let's get this right. right. We're sure the robots will show up and they'll run, right. but get it right, right? But I think, you know, surprisingly, uh, it's actually been very good, right? In the right. sense that, you know, if you really look, you go, if you look from the CXO point of view, they are like, hey, our people and workers would be worried about jobs being lost out and workers doing, but you, when you get to the operating level, right. right, at the sites, right, it's the highest attrition, People, like, you know, I, I, I put it as, you know, they used to go to a gym, right, because they used to walk 13 to 14 miles a day, <laughs> to now they have an office space where, you know, I mean, I, I would say this on the lighter note, like some of them, you know, just the ability of putting their family picture up on the pick station and having a little <laughs> music playing is like, so, you know, in terms of attrition, attrition has drastically gone down right. in sites, right? Uh, wages have actually gone up because people actually pay you know, a dollar more, half a dollar more on incentives on, on mm -hmm. these people. So when you get away from, I would say we're at the, the forefront of it when you put in 700 robots in a site, the amount of people who are thinking their jobs will be lost is way more. Right. And, you know, coming on the other side of it, right, it's, I think it's attrition's down, supervisors are happier, right, people are, you know, I mean, they have lesser, you know, you have this very famous... Uh, thing in after payday, right, you get right. On, on Monday, you don't know how many people will show up, right? So there's a lot less anxiety in supervisors on, hey, most of them, you know who will show up and who will not because people right. who are, you know, enjoying working in this robot environment, right, right will do so. I mean, it's, it's not that doomsday scenario as, uh, as I mean, we, we have proof to, you know, put it on the other side. Right, and aren't people moving toward, um, you know, people can actually supervise team, you know, be responsible for the productivity of a, a group of assets, including them and the robots? Yeah, I'm, I'll try not going that deep into it, but I would say that, you know, that's a very interesting thing where, you know, so a lot of our facilities, when you do this transformation, right, they've actually undergone training programs to actually move them from, you know, warehouse operators to robot operators. Right. And this journey has been, you know, it's, a, it's they go through a test program, they actually mm -hmm. train for it, right? And they actually, it's quite interesting that, you know, so some of our best feedback, right, if you really look at early days of robotics or, or AGVs in factory flows mm -hmm. or warehouses, you would actually have associates, you know, throwing stuff in front of the <laughs> robots and, you know, literally saying, hey, I, I, that's going to take my job away and I make sure. And we, we actually have, 
and I would say this with a pinch of salt, not all our partners have done this right, right. But, but a lot of them where you know, we, they've done it right and we've learned from them. Uh, we actually have our best feedback coming back from, you know, I'll give you a scenario of, we had a, a customer where, you know, they, the, the operator came up and he said, hey, I'm, I'm getting, I'm recording, these are my 20 SKUs. Right. I don't actually, the barcode is not found every time I scan it, right? And the supervisor was surprised because this person's been working with him for, I think, last five, six years. And he's like, he's never come back and told me my SOP is wrong in this, right? So he came back, right? And, you know, and I mean, yes, the system's got so much data in it, right, that the supervisor put up a query and, you know, and he saw two hours later that he actually had 15% of his master data was actually having the wrong, the barcodes were being manually entered instead of being scanned, right? Mm -hmm. And and blah, 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 that led to, you know, some savings. But if you, you look at it, right, it truly shows how, you know, it's changed the paradigm. Right. And, and yes, it was a great software and, you know, Gray Matter enabled you to get this data to get 15% within an hour, right? But none of that would have happened if, you know, it, this was not the, the, the associate really saying, hey, this is a problem, is this a big problem now that you have so much data, right? right. I mean, their mind also changes, right? They're like, this has all got so much robots, maybe I don't, you know, maybe they'll listen to me and they'll change something, and, right. you know, and that works. So. Yeah, I think that's good. It's sort of an empowerment um, technology more than a, a, a fear uh, environment once people start using it. And that's a good lead-in into the Gray Matter Command Center, which we're showing in our booth, which is the, um, the uh, on the floor, the people being able to see the metrics and the operating um, parameters that are going on. So maybe talk a little bit about that and how companies are using. Uh, yeah, we should take some questions and yeah. let me take this uh, yeah. this one in. I think uh, on uh, on metrics and stuff, I think uh, what we've, one of our biggest learnings has been, right, I'll, I'll say it with our point of view and our customers right. have gone with us in that journey. When we started out this journey, it was really about uh, this is the throughput this is kind of, you know, every single associate should be hitting 350 units per hour right. and, you know, and what's wrong? Why are they not all hitting 350 units an hour, right? And I think when you start with that, right, even our thinking was a lot built around software platform everything to hit that peak rate, right? right? What we've learned now, you know, having gone few or a lot of seasons with our, with peak seasons with our customers is that it's actually not about hitting 350 or hitting 400. It's right. about making sure there are some people who have the capability to hit 400. Right. They are hitting 400, right? They have all the robots available to them to do 400, right. right? Whereas there are some people who are hitting 200s, right? And for their 200s, uh, there are probably lesser robots and hence the cost of fulfillment is lesser for them, right? right? Versus, so in terms of metrics, Right? If you look something classic as, you know, somebody's not doing 350 UPH, right? And rather than, you know, I would say controversially, but rather than taking a whiplash and saying, why aren't you doing 350, right? right? What the data now provides is, hey, you know, it's already built in. The supervisor would click, click on this operator and say, hey, you know, this person's taking much longer in after he's, he or she has scanned the item in actually pressing the button this time is way above the average, right. right? 
this person's taking 3.6 seconds versus everybody else is taking 1.6 seconds. So maybe we need to train them better on that aspect, right? right? And that's been much more constructive, right. right? I would say it's been a very tough journey for us because it's way more software than we ever thought we <laughs> needed to build, right? But I think that's what most of our customer, like, you know, the value has been added, right? right? Is in that visibility of saying that, you know, in the completeness, not about, as I said, right. it's not about getting the robots to run and do it in. What's most helpful is now you've given up, you have so many robots running, how do you actually find out what's happening? Because, you know, I'll end with, uh, there's a very nice saying, a lot of our customers used to say that earlier you would keep your ears up and by the sound of how much conveyor is running and, you know, and how everything is chugging along, yeah. you can find out how well the site's running. Versus now, you know, this is a very silent warehouse, right? I mean, <laughs> there is no noise in this warehouse. How do you make sure, you know, everything's working and, and that's been our journey on, you know, the command center yeah. uh, that, that helps our customers. Yeah, it makes sense. They know things they didn't know before. So um, we have about uh, 15 minutes for uh, questions. Do you, uh, anything's fair game for Sume here? I don't know if you have a mic, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I can ask you another question. <laughs> well, hopefully we can push it in. Usually, I don't want to say it was such a nice presentation that we didn't get any questions. If there's anything we can, that's... What are people's top of mind? Are there any people here who are looking to um, move toward uh, automating using robots in their facilities? There you go. We should have a gift card for you. Come by our booth later. We have Starbucks gift cards, and <laughs> I want to give one to you. Sure. So I'll just repeat the question. What are the top three industries where our application makes sense, right? So I would say, uh, so for us, it's very easy. The three are... You know, so the, the biggest one for us is apparel, right? Where apparel has been our biggest, you know, I mean, that's, does our technology make sense there or not? I don't know, but our customers are pulling us there. Right? <laughs> that's the right way to, you know, put it. So I would say apparel's a very big, right? I think apparel and when you add omni-channel into it, that's one industry. The second one has been around uh, home improvement and home DIY. And the space there is, so we enable people to be able to do piece picking, not just for the small stuff, but also do the big stuff, which is being so, you know, whether you want to pick something from a pallet or you want to pick from a case or you want to pick eaches, you can actually do all of that in one system. And that has led to a lot of, you know, uh, home improved, Lowe's, Home Depot, like, you know, a lot of them where they have inventory, which is very wide in this, right? Or home furnishing, right? So you have, you know, uh, Ikea, right, you'll have, you know, companies like that which will have, you know, bed sheets and they'll have small stuff. So that's the second variety. And the third one in general merchandise has been around, you know, people who are trying to, again, one is the size, but they want to actually keep one inventory, right? So all three of these industries, the biggest value we bring to them is that they can actually run, so very little, like while we, we might look like we're made for e-commerce and we do a lot of e-commerce, but I would say 80%, 70% of our customers, the problem set we solve for them is being able to manage retail fulfillment, store fulfillment, as well as e-commerce from the same inventory, right? So 
if you look at those three industries slash verticals, I don't know if that helps. If you're talking, so well, we, just to repeat the question: yeah. What size volume of shipment? What size warehouse does this become something practical to do? So I think uh, I'll put one disclaimer: If we've done sites smaller than what we are saying, but then it's been a network, right? So assuming this is one site being done, uh, usually you're somewhere around six, seven thousand, you know, six, seven thousand shipments in a in a in a regular period going up to 12, 13,000 during peak. That's, and now it could be cases, it could be eaches, but number of touch units, unique units you're shipping out, that's what it would be, right? When you get, get to sites which are five, 6,000 units at, at the peak, then you need to have a network to actually make sense. But that, that's where we would put it. Uh, and this is for our integrated system in some sense. That's the scale. Do you have other? Questions from the? There you go. You come by our booth too. I'm going to give you a Starbucks gift card. Sure, thank you. <laughs> you mean? So, how do you integrate? What what what's the role for all the other software systems that are already in the facility? Right. Sure. Uh, I would say it's a controversial question, but I'm I take glad it you in. asked that question. See, it's on this list. I decided not <laughs> but, to ask it, but thank you for asking it. <laughs> so, in uh, firstly, I'll say it as to what role that WMS play. It plays a pretty important role in what we do today, also. In terms of vision, I would say the WMS guys have to decide what their vision has to be because they have some discovery to do. But I think the part that we've been seeing WMSs with you know, the big retail clients we work with, they're actually moving up and up more into network. Uh, I mean, if you look at traditionally, WMSs were very restricted into facilities. You could literally have two or three facilities where they have different WMSs, right? So what's actually happening with our customers as they are moving on is WMS is becoming more a standard integration tool with a system like ours where they're saying it's set up, we will not customize it per site, right? But there are actually more instances of the WMS being uh, the same across facilities, right? But I would say where they have to fundamentally change a lot of places is the concept I was saying about waving, right? So in most of our WMSs we are connected to, the waves are set at two minutes, right? So they're literally releasing everything up in two minutes to us, right? And we are actually going back when you have something like, hey, you can do a pallet pull for this, or you can do a different kind of action for it, we're actually feeding back into WMS is saying, this is something you can actually do outside our system, right? So I would say, firstly, it's a tough question, but first off, it does have to change, right? It can't stay the way it is, right? Because, you know, fundamentally, uh, you cannot run in that scenario uh, of the same. I think I cannot answer where WMS should head, right? But I do think that there's a very important role that they are already playing, even in systems like ours, where we're deeply integrated, between being more standardizing across facilities, 
right? Being the same, license being standardized. And I think, I believe WMSs are trying to very well move up into OMS and, you know, and move up the ERP chain, right? To do and, and you know, and that's where they should be playing. Because when it comes to, I say this with humility, when it comes to taking decisions of which orders do you process, when do you process, what should you batch, what should you not, right? We, system like ours have way more amount of data, right? Like we, for a site, we decide, right, uh, what do we ship to a customer, what order do we process before what, based on, you know, what's the temperature of a robot on that floor, right, versus, you know, these elevators are being overused and, and this system. So in terms of the granularity of data that we feed in, right, it's almost unfair for them to ask them to take that decision outside because we just have so much worldview of you know of what's happening in the store what's happening in the warehouse what so because of that it's i think it has to change who takes which decisions uh, but there's definitely a very different role to be played for wmss and in terms of our system it's a fulfillment operating system so we don't have plans to you know, address the other modules that would typically be part of a WMS yeah, I mean, we're, system. We're 100% focused on order to door, you know, click to door or to replenishment yep. in a store. How do you accelerate that cycle and um, retain more of your customers, give better service at the end of the day, um, you know, be able to compete in a in an age of immediacy like Amazon sort of threw down the gauntlet and made people expect, you know, I can click at 10 and have it by four. And we're helping people do that and a lot of other things as well, yeah. right? Any um, other questions out from the, because I have a couple more if you want to, we have a little bit of time. <laughs> I mean, along that same question, you know, what happens to all the software we already have? What about all the other uh, automation that's within the facility, you know, like the traditional, um, conveyors and, and, and sorters and such. So how does that so, interface uh, in? Yeah, I think the view we have for a lot of the automation is that, you know, I mean, we, we do, as you know, and maybe for the rest of this, we do, we do integrate with a lot of, you know, I would say conveyors, robotic arms, you know, conveyors. Like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that integrates, right? I think where we play, end up playing the role is the decision-making, right? So we would take in inputs from an automated, automated packing machine right. and decide how much needs to go to automated packing versus how much should be done manual. How do you load balance them? Don't overload that, don't load that, mm -hmm. right? So and the same is true with a lot of software that plays in. I think the way, uh, you know, if you double click into gray matter, right? What gray matter does really well is uh, it's able to dis take a lot of inputs, right? And take those inputs, take, you know, try out 20 different decisions, cost them out, and every 100 times a second, right, say, hey, based on these trade-offs and payoffs, this is the best, because there's no right answer, right. right? I mean, we all know in supply chain, there's no right answer. Should you ship it by batch? Should you ship it in a, like, what should you optimize? Mm -hmm. Keep changing every second. That's the role that gray matter plays, right? right? And there is a lot of software upstream, downstream, hardware upstream, downstream, right? right? Uh, that actually has to, does really well what they've always done, right? right. Which is, uh, you know, be very reliable in their action. So I think the, the integration layer is built in a way 
where a lot of our customers would write applications into our platform saying, hey, this is my business problem, mm -hmm. right? I know that, you know, my, because usually most of the, our customers, the stores will be another PNL, transportation will be another PNL, supply chain will be another PNL. Right. And all these three leaders will come together and have an agreement saying, hey, this is how we need to optimize. Right. And they would feed that into a custom app or a custom equation. But what Gray Matter does is at any instant, as everything changes, right. they're actually trying to take the best possible decision in that. And we call it as internal costing. Right. Right. So that's kind of how we integrate in. I don't know if that makes sense. But no, that's no, it makes sense. How. But I mean, essentially, it, these systems are going to play a role in a broader ecosystem of software and uh, hardware that goes across uh, the warehouse. So um, any did that spark any other uh, questions out from the audience? I think you have a question right there. <laughs> no. OK. So we um, cannot, should we wrap it? Or we yeah, should... do you want to? Yeah. Up to we can take some questions on outside. All Sounds right. good. All right, good. All right. Thank you. Thanks. And for the two people that asked a question, come by our booth and we'll give you a Starbucks gift card. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking.